Thanks for listening to the Refuel Podcast. Be sure to tune in every Thursday for a new episode. Why do so few teens, it seems like, feel loved? Uh, Usually I start out, you know, if you've been around, most of you have, I start out with something funny to kind of get us get us going uh, when it's time to open the Word. Um, But tonight what we're talking about is something that is is serious, it's exciting, but I think it also kind of like touches a nerve among many teenagers, probably adults too. Uh, But because kind of what we're talking about is so important, what I want to ask you to do real quick is I know this is kind of a fun night. Uh, If you would take your glasses, those of you that have like glasses and like kind of bizarre stuff, if you turn them off and just kind of set them on the floor, set them next to you, um, because this is probably something that somebody in the room really needs to hear. Honestly, it's something we all need to hear tonight. So why do so few teens feel loved? Um, I know some of you have talked to me and you've gone through some situations where people who were once your friends have kind of turned their back on you and you thought they loved you and then they kind of turned their back on you and they're not your friends anymore. Um, I know some of you, we've talked and you've, you, you go to a home where you just don't feel loved. Um, you, maybe your parents are going through things or there's stuff going on in your family and you don't feel acknowledged and loved at, at, at home. Uh, why is it that so many teens feel unloved? Because there's a lot of changes happening in your life. And not to get too detailed, but there are a lot of changes that are happening in your body that are cre- putting, you, there are chemicals and hormones going on in your brain that you've never experienced before. And it can make you, even if you have parents who love you, even if you have a support system of friends, you can feel alone and by yourself and just unloved. I'm a numbers guy. Some of you know that about me. Uh, So I was like, well, what are the numbers about? What are the statistics having to do with teens and whether or not they feel loved? This first one kind of stood out to me is that that most of y'all are Gen Z. We got a few alphas in here. Not like alpha males, like like Gen Alpha. Uh, (laughs) Hopefully no alpha males in here. Uh, You're not supposed to be an alpha male or beta male. You're supposed to be in Christ, guys. Uh, Anyway, that's, that's, that's free. That's commercial. Anyway, um, most of y'all are Gen Z. 79% of y'all, according to this statistic that I've linked in the app, if you want to see it, um, consider themselves lonely. That they don't have someone in their life that they can, they can talk to. Um, studies have also shown that teens who feel unloved are 69% more likely to be unhealthy like physically unhealthy when they become young adults. So the way that you experience or don't experience love as a teenager affects the way that you'll live as a young adult and as an adult and even an old geezer. The majority, according to this expert that I've linked here in the notes, the majority of destructive behaviors and lifestyles, this is from a spiritual perspective and from a psychological perspective, they've listed these destructive behaviors and lifestyles among teens, drug abuse, self-harm, premarital sexual activity, bullying, these type of things. The majority of destructive teenage behaviors and lifestyles come from a feeling of being unloved. We've been going through this series called In Christ. And those of you that have been around the whole time, you remember the big theme of the first section here is that the greatest lesson you can learn this school year is who you are in Christ. And what we're going to see tonight and what we're going to learn tonight is that 
If you feel unloved, I've got good news for you. If you're like me when I was growing up, maybe you feel like this, that you have great parents and you have great people around you and you're part of a great church, but you still see everyone else in your classroom having these conversations and making these plans and then it's just you alone by yourself. And you wonder, do people really love me other than the people that like legally have to love me like my parents? The big news tonight that some of you need to hear for the first time and some of you really need to remind yourself about, and I, I'm talking about you Christians, like the people who were like, you were birthed at church pretty much. Like, like, like Lewis Memorial Labor and Delivery, like you were born here and you've grown up here and you've heard Jesus, 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 Jesus your whole life. You, you need to hear this too. Usually I try to boil it down to a sentence, but I've boiled it down to two sentences. Because some, some of you got the first sentence, but a lot of us did not get the second sentence. For what we're going to learn tonight first is that in Christ you're loved. But also in Christ you can know that you're loved. So if you have your Bible, open up to Ephesians chapter 3. And we're going to dig in here in a minute. But as you're turning there, um, I want to kind of set this up. Who wrote the book of Ephesians? Who else? Okay, yeah, there we go. Jason's on it. I'm going to keep asking that until we get both answers every week. So, Jesus, through his Holy Spirit, revealed to the Apostle Paul this truth. So, it wasn't just the Apostle Paul saying, I want to do a big Facebook rant like Uncle Larry and you write all the problems with this world. This was not Paul's opinion. Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, God, through the Holy Spirit, moved Paul's hand to write these specific words. So these aren't just Paul's words, even though God used Paul's personality. These are God's words to us. And he was writing to who? The church at Ephesus. What do we know about Ephesus? What was that, Gabe? Well, yeah, they were surrounded by very immoral people. There was a big temple where people would sacrifice to a false, little g, God. And, and the way that they would worship and the way that they would make these sacrifices, I, I can't even really talk to you about it because some, some of you are probably a little too young to hear just how disgusting and how immoral the worship, quote unquote, it wasn't really worship, how, how these rituals were. And there's this little group of Christians in the middle of this terrible culture and God, through the Apostle Paul's writing, was saying, here's how you live. Verse 1, in Christ Jesus, in Ephesus. So, we learn how to live in Christ Jesus in Cabell Midland High School. Through this, we learn how to live in Christ Jesus at Milton Middle. We learn how to live, in, I'm going to have to say them all now, right? In Christ Jesus at Barbersville Middle. In Christ Jesus at Huntington East Middle. In Christ Jesus at Huntington High School. In Christ Jesus at Huntington Middle. In Christ Jesus at Fairland. In Christ Jesus at Chesapeake. What am I missing? In Christ Jesus at Grace. In Christ Jesus at Covenant. In Christ Jesus in your living room or wherever you homeschoolers do your homeschool thing. Learn how to be in Christ in your circumstance. And... Ephesians is divided into really two sections. Uh, the first three chapters, which we're going to finish tonight. We're going to be halfway there. Somebody sing the Bon Jovi, living on a prayer. Uh, we're going to be, ha we're going to finish our, ha get our halfway point. And the doctrinal section, the section where you learn all these facts about who you are in Christ is going to finish. And then it's going to say, here's how you live it. So starting next week, we're going to be talking about things having to do with the way that you, you deal with anger as, a, as being in Christ 
in your situation. How to deal with sexuality in Christ in your situation. How to relate to your parents in Christ in your house. We're going to learn some really practical things, but before we shift to the practical thing, there's this one fact at the end that changes the way you do all those practical things we're going to start next week. And it's this, learning that in Christ we're loved, and in Christ we know that we're loved. So, for those of you who were here last week, remember, we talked about squirrels. Y'all remember talking about squirrels? We talked about squirrels. How uh, Paul was just like Doug from up. And uh, Paul says in, in uh, verse number one of chapter three, he says, for this reason, Paul, I, a prisoner of Christ, and then it's like, squirrel! He chases this like rabbit. It's like this divinely appointed squirrel chase that Paul goes on. There's big parentheses. But then in verse 14, he picks back up with his original thought. He got the squirrel. He shot it. He skinned it. He made it into squirrel soup. He ate it. And now he's back to it. Anybody had squirrel soup? It's good stuff. It's good. Okay. Uh, so, um, so he picks up his original thought in verse 14. So if you have your Bible, let's read along. We're gonna pr- then we're going to pray over this scripture and we're going to notice a few points. I'm on the wrong chapter there. There we go. For this reason, verse 14, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to his riches, the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with, the, with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ might dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have the strength to comprehend Strength, I'm going to say that again, strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with the fullness of God. Now to him who's able to do more abundantly than all we can ask or think according to the power at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. God, I pray that over these next few minutes, the scripture that we just read will work itself deep into our hearts and that no matter what our spiritual background is, that we will be overwhelmed by this incredible truth that we are loved by you and that through the power of your Holy Spirit, we can know that we're loved by you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so let's look at Ephesians chapter 3, starting in verse 14. And I've got four R words tonight that have to do with this prayer. But before we get into those R words having to do with this prayer, verse 14 and 15 kind of set the prayer up. So I want to look, if, you, if it's okay with you, is it okay with you? If we look at verses 14 and 15, figure these verses out, and then jump in to the R words that have to do with this prayer. Is that okay? Okay, you got your Bibles. If you don't have a Bible, get on your phone. If you don't have a phone, if you don't want to get on your phone because you're too distracted by stuff, look here on the screen because we're going to look into this. Now, This for this reason, that goes back to verse one, remember? That maybe we should do this. Pre-squirrel. Okay? That was pre-squirrel. He's picking up his pre-squirrel thought. For this reason, he does what? I bow my knees before the Father. That phrase, bow my knees. What's Paul doing? What's he doing? You know what he's doing, right? Say it. He's praying. What does that phrase have? What's the picture that we get through that phrase? First is that he, he, is, um, he is worshiping God. 
When you, when you would bow your knee to someone, and it still works this way now in many cultures, if you would bow your knee, it was a way of showing honor and showing respect and showing that you considered that person that you were bowing to higher than you. So Paul realizes that God's God, he's not, and he bows before God. But bowing the knee in this culture can also mean, it's a big word, I don't know if you know what this word is, it can mean intercession. You know what anybody know what intercession means? It means that he's pleading on behalf of someone else. So do you see what, what, what Paul is doing and how God moved Paul to do this and to write down his prayer? Paul is on his knees worshiping God for who he is because of all the things that God did that we read about in the first three chapters. And he's also though praying for these Ephesian believers because he couldn't be with them. He loved them so much. He had powerful times with them, but he couldn't be with them anymore. But there's something better he could do than be with them. He could go to God and move the hand of God who was always with them, right? So Paul is begging God to do something in the lives of these Ephesians. And you know, Paul just sometimes can't let things go. He gets on a little bit of a roll. Any of y'all like that? Like you get into something, you just can't stop. You Google, you Google it to infinity until you figure out everything there is to know about it. He, he says, I bow my knees before the Father. Oh, let me tell you a few things about the Father. This is a baby squirrel. Not a big squirrel, but a baby squirrel. From whom every family in heaven and on earth was named, that according to his riches and glory he may do this thing. So he's, t he's, he's reminding his, his, his readers how big God is. It says... We oh, I wish we had a lot of time to get into this. But the, he's the father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. Heaven and earth, heaven and earth. When you see that in the New Testament, that has to do with the spiritual realm, heaven, the physical realm, earth. Does that make sense? We talked about it last week too a little bit. Remember that when we gather together as the church, we're teaching angels? <laughs> Pretty stinking awesome, right? Uh, so he's coming back to this, that God is the God from whom, he's the father from whom every family in heaven and on earth was named. This idea of being named after someone signifies that, that, that you are from them. Yeah, I've got a picture up here, um, which I'm always thinking Disney, you know, and you, you remember Andy, you know, or you remember Woody, right? What's on his foot? The name of his owner, the name of his guy, Andy. One of the just the, the, the saddest most, you remember when, 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 when uh, yeah, Woody, the, the little tape comes off and he remembers that his, yeah, that Andy was, or it was, it was his owner. Makes me cry. I'm not going to talk about it. Um, so, so, uh, so, so Andy had an, or Woody had an owner, right? Andy. We are named after God. And not only are we named after God, every person in the world is named after God. And every angelic being, every being in the spiritual realm is named after God. Why is that so important? It's, to, it's so that we understand that God is in control. There's nobody outside of God's control. And when Paul's going to God on behalf of these Ephesian believers, he's like, hey, I can't be there with you, but I can go to the person who is like in charge of everything and ask him to work on your behalf. And that's pretty powerful. You, you seen how powerful this prayer is? Not only is God the, the father, he's not only is he the source, but he's also very rich. In every way possible. That he, he's praying that, and according, to God, that according to God's riches and glory, he'll do it. There are a lot of things I would love to do for you. I mean, those of you that, that, that love sports, I would love to be able to give you like 15 extra pounds of muscle by waving a magic wand. So that you could do whatever thing you need to do. 
Um, you know, those of you that are real like artsy and craftsy, I wish I could just like be like a like fairy godmother and just like sound like a do a magic roo, bibbidi bobbidi boo, and you're an incredible artist. But I, I can't do that. There are things I'd love to do for you, but I can't do. Do you realize that God is not limited by that? That there are things that God will do, loves to do in your life and can do, and his resources are unlimited. So what Paul's saying here is, I can't be with you. I really wish I could be with you. Like, like I wish we could go, like, make a little campfire together, you know, like, like, like go hunting together. Whatever it is that Paul and these Ephesian believers like to do together, probably worship God more than that stuff. I can't be with you, but I can do something incredible for you. I can go to God on your behalf, and he can do anything. You following me? So that's the posture that Paul's going into this prayer. So now, what did Paul pray for these believers? It's the same thing that I want to pray for you tonight. And the big, yeah, the skinny is this, is that Paul prayed that, I wrote it down specifically to make sure I got it right. Paul prayed that God would give the Ephesians the power to know that they were loved in Christ. Paul's getting ready to tell them how to act and how to live and how to make decisions and all this stuff. If, if, if I was Paul, I might have missed that. I would have been like, now listen, before you, you go into, before you keep living in Ephesus, you got to understand like the doctrine of soteriology and specifically how man's free will and God's sovereignty interact and all the details there, but he doesn't go into any more details there, does he? He says, this is the jumping off point. You're going to see this here in a minute. This is the jumping off point. The greatest, the, the thing that you need the most in order to live for God is that through the power of the Holy Spirit to know that you're loved in Christ. Because if you get that and you're rooted in that and you live in that, the Christian life becomes incredible. So, this is what Paul prayed for the Ephesians. This is what I'm praying for you having to do with God's love and they're all our words. You ready? Here we go. The first thing that I'm praying is that you receive God's love. Look at this passage here. Everybody loves gifts, right? No, you don't like gifts? I love gifts. I love getting stuff. I don't even care what it is. I, I keep every free t-shirt I've ever been given in my life, right? Anybody else like that? Like you just collect, give me all the t-shirts, right? Look at what the first thing that he, he asks is that you may be strengthened with power through the spirit. Where? In your biceps? In your rear delts? No. In your <laughs> inner being. That's your spiritual self. That's your soul. That's your spirit. In your inner being so that Christ may dwell where? In your guest room? In your she shed? In your garage apartment? So that he may dwell in your hearts. Now how, do you, how does Jesus enter your heart? How does Christ dwell in your heart? Through what? The biggest F word you'll ever hear in your life. Faith. That is the only way that you can be saved. You know that, right? You can't be saved by going to church. You can't be saved by going to... You get that, right? You understand that, right? Because I say that every week and then I still feel like I have conversations where people don't get it. Being in a church doesn't make you a Christian any more than being in a garage makes you a car. Being in a church doesn't make you any more Christian than being in a refrigerator makes you a banana. Like, 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 you're not saved by going to church. You're not saved by doing good things. You're saved by trusting in Jesus, right? And what happens when you trust in Jesus? We learned about that in chapter one, that, that the Holy Spirit comes, the Spirit of Jesus comes and what? Dwells in your hearts. And what we see here is that one of the ministries of the Holy Spirit that lives in your heart is that you are strengthened 
Do you see it? That you're strengthened with what? With power. There's all these big, bad, strong, big power words again, right? That when, when, when Jesus lives in you through his Holy Spirit, he strengthens you to do, so, to do all kinds of things, but it's specifically talking here to comprehend and understand and experience God's love. So you can know some things about God's love without being a Christian, without being saved, but you will never experience the fullness of God's love until you trust in Jesus. Does that make sense? So I have to ask the question, right? I have to ask the question, where and when did you receive God's love? Can you go back to a moment, a time in your life where you realized that you were a sinner, that there was no way for that you could save yourself because going to church didn't cut it, and that you trusted that when Jesus died on the cross, he paid the payment for your sin. Has there been a time when you've done that? I'm not asking if you went to church or I'm not asking if you have a Christian curriculum that you use. I'm asking, are you saved? Have you believed? Have you trusted in Jesus through faith? My prayer, if you can't answer that question, is that tonight you, first our word, receive God's love. The next thing Paul prayed for these Ephesian believers having to do with God's love and that I'm praying for you is that you realize God's love. This is just, this, this part of the passage is just banging. I mean, it's just awesome. Um, and have you, you, let's just, let's look at it. I, I, we just, we just got to look at it. I'm done talking about it. Let's look at it. That you, here's a little commercial here, being rooted and grounded in love. What are the roots of the Christian? You remember the ice storm a couple years ago? You remember how crazy that was? Anybody else? You were, I mean, I know the Lingenfelters remember it. What's up? Something behind me? Okay, you're just pointing at me. Yeah. Um, do you remember, did any of y'all lose power during the ice? Did any of y'all lose power? And then you just heard like the, all night the creepy sound of these trees just crashing down. I went a few days later, once we got power, I went on a trail run at Barbersville Park. And those trails, I mean, it was just down tree after down tree after down tree. You know what I realized? The trees that fell, their root system had been unhealthy for years. What's the difference between a Christian who falls and a Christian who stands when stuff happens? Because guess what? Stuff happens. Look to the person next to you and say, stuff's going to happen. <laughs> Challenges are going to happen. Storm, spiritual storms are going to come in your life. You know, the, you know who the Christian is that withstands the storm? It's the Christian who is rooted and grounded in God's love. It's a Christian who knows how to receive God's love on a daily basis. So that's a little commercial. Before you get into the verse, chapters 4, 5, and 6, and you live for God, you got to be rooted in his love. Doctrine's important. Knowing what you believe is important. But I know a lot of people who have, they, they know more doctrine than maybe the Apostle Paul did. Like, like, like they can tell you all the isms, schisms, and spasms of life, but a storm comes and it knocks them down because they had head knowledge, but they weren't rooted in God's love. Anyway, here's what he prays. He prays not only, you know, the first point was that we receive God's love. The second was to realize God's love. It says may you, that you may have the strength. Let me change my color again. Because look, strengthened, power, strength. See the ministry of the Holy Spirit here? That you may have the strength to comprehend with all the saints. We don't have time for that, but that's an interesting one too. Maybe it's that you can't be rooted and grounded in God's love by yourself and that's why God gave us the family of God. That with the saints we have to comprehend this. 
I'm screaming. I'll calm down. I'm a little excited. That you may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth. Breadth, length, height, depth. You know what it's talking about? It's talking about this. The breadth of God's love, the length of God's love, the height of God's love, the depth of God's love. It's an exercise that Paul's calling us to. You know, we could never measure God's love. It's immeasurable, right? But think about it. What is the length of God's love? How long is God's love? I mean, like, 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 can you measure it? Because if you're going to measure it, you know how far back you got to go? According to Ephesians, you got to go all the way back to before the foundations of the world, it says in chapter 1, that God had a plan to save those who would believe in him. That before you, know, you were playing patty cake in your mama's tummy with her pancreas, God had a plan to save you. That before there was ever sun, moon, and stars, God had a plan to save you. That before there was ever light and darkness, God had a plan to save you. So if you're going to measure God's love, I mean, you've got to go all the way back to eternity past. And you know what the truth is that even if you go all the way to Revelation chapter 22, you know what you find God doing? Still loving you. That's awesome. So he says, think about the length of God's love. But then he says, think about... I'm going yeah, to get some exercise one of these days. Think about the breadth of God's love. That just means the width, right? Think about the width of God's love. How wide is it? You know, he just spent an entire chapter talking about the fact that God made salvation available not only to the Jewish people who were God's, who were God's chosen people in the Old Testament, but he made it available to any nation, to any race, to anyone. We read in God's word that the, the, the God's atonement, Jesus' death on the cross, was, was an atoning sacrifice, not just for our sins, talking about the Christians at that moment, but for the, for, for the entire world. How wide is God's love? It's big enough that anyone who believes in him can be saved and can receive it. That's pretty wide, right? Think about it. You, you realize how loved you are? How long God has loved you and how wide God's love is? But that's not where he leaves off. He talks about how deep God's love is. How, I can't get in the ceiling to really do the deep part, but how deep is God's love? Think about it this way. How low did God go to save us? There's a guy that I went to college with. He's written a book. It's called Dirty God. First time I heard that, 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 that name of the book, I was like, oh, that doesn't sound right. But he starts about how, he talks about how God was born into a dirty manger. And how God walked the dusty roads of the Middle East and got dirt on his feet. It talks about how low did God go? He allowed himself to be mischaracterized, to be talked about, to be beaten within an inch of his life, to bleed out of every vein of his body, to have his beard pulled, to be stripped down naked in front of everyone, to be nailed to a cross so that as he was pulling himself up from those nails, he could get a breath. And then he let himself down. He'd pull himself up to get a breath and let himself down. How deep did Jesus go in his love for you? Really deep. But it also talks about the height of God's love. Think about this. Think about how loved you are. Jesus, after he died, he ascended to heaven. You know what he told us he was going to be doing? That he was going to be building a place for us. And you know where Jesus is right now? He's at the right hand of the Father. You know what he's doing? He's doing what the Apostle Paul is doing here. He's interceding on our behalf. He is loving us right now at this very moment in his exalted position in heaven. You realize how much God loves you? Do you realize how loved you are by God? 
Wow. There's a song that um, was written a while ago. It was a contemporary. It was actually written by a guy from this area. He's back in this area now, so if you ever want to talk to him, you can go to the Superhero Creamery. He's the owner over there in Ashland. The song goes like this. It's times like these when I fall so hard that I wonder now how I ever got this far. So many failures fill my mind and then history keeps reminding me of these scars. Whenever the past is showing me where I started from, I always look back and see what he's done. So when those days that are sure to come leave me down and out, I just think about his great love. Whenever the past is showing me where I started from, I always look back and see what he's done. I look back to the cross, back to the one, back to the love that held him there for us. Back to the place where I was set free, where his arms are wide enough for me. Everything I want for all I'll ever need, I look back to the cross. Some of you have been saved for a long time, but you've never, it's been a long time since you've actually thought about and realized God's love. I'm, I've never cut myself preaching before. It's the first time ever. But do you realize God's love? You are loved. I want to pray here in a minute that through the power of your Holy Spirit, the power of God's Holy Spirit, you will understand just how loved you are. We got we to gotta move through these. The second, or the third thing I'm praying, the, the Apostle Paul prayed, is that you would relish God's love. You know what I mean by relish? You know, how many of y'all actually like relish on your hot dogs? You got any weird ones like me out there? Okay, yeah. So, so the word relish originally did not mean this stuff. It actually meant, the, I, I, I wrote, yeah, I, I tried to write down like a, a definition for relish. And what, what relish means is it means to feel a great taste towards something after you've tasted it. To love something after you've experienced it. And what, what is Paul praying here and what am I praying for you? Let me change my color real quick. I know we got to get out of here in a minute. Let me change my color real quick. He says that I want you to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. How do you know something that surpasses knowledge? That you know. This word for know has to do with the way that we experience things. So if I was, oh, I wish I had more time. If I was a doctor, if, I, if, if you needed surgery, what would you need surgery on? Just name a random body part. Something like vital. Spine, that sounds good. Okay, so you need surgery on your spine. And my name is Matt McClay, MD. And you come and you talk to me and you're interested in how skilled I am at working on your spine. And, and, um, and I tell you, well, here's the thing. I have read thousands of medical journals that describe the process by which you repair someone's spine. And I even went to a conference. We sang songs about the spine. And we heard great people come in and speak about the spine. And I even went to spine camp when I was a teenager. And I went on spine trips as a teenager. I know everything there is to know about spines. I've just never operated on one. How would you feel about me cutting into you? Uh, I think I'll go the you see where we're going with this, right? Some of us go to Christian camps and learn about Jesus and we, 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 we come to church and we sing about Jesus and we hear about Jesus and his love. But have you experienced God's love? Have you relished it? When you realize God's love and you experience God's love, something incredible happens. You become filled 
with the fullness of God. You may want to write here 518 next to it because that has to do with the filling of the Holy Spirit, the control of the Holy Spirit. We don't have time to talk about it tonight, but we're going to talk about it when we get to chapter 5. But do you relish God's love every day? When's the last time you soaked in God's love, thought about it, read about it, lived in light of it, thanked him for it? Do you relish God's love? We're getting, we're running out of time. Here's the final R word. I'm praying that you reverberate God's love. Something interesting happens here. I'm running out of colors, aren't I? Here we go. Light blue, North Carolina blue, go heels. Um, this right here is what some people call a doxology. That's a real fancy word for this. Spitting bars. Sometimes Paul gets on a roll and he's describing something that is just so incredible that he just has to stop and praise God. And this is one of those moments. You, 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 if you remember when we talked about the first prayer that he prayed in chapter one, he does the same thing. He's praying and then he just starts spitting bars, praising God. He does the same thing here. He's praying all these things, thinking about God's love and he just, he, he, the prayer ends and he just says, now to him who's able to do far more abundantly than all we can ask or think according to his power at work in us, to him be the glory. Many people believe that this was a, a, a song that the, er, the church, early church turned into a, a praise song or a, or a hymn. They took the Apostle Paul's words here and it, it flowed a little better in the Greek and they turned it into a song that they would sing when they would gather. You know, God loves you so that you can love those who are near to you and far from him. That's part of being rooted and grounded in God's love. When you experience God's love, when you receive it through salvation, then when you think about it, you comprehend it, you realize it, and then you relish it, you live it every day, you can't help but reverberate it. Some of you, I see it happen. Like, like you're so full of the love of God that you're just like dragging people along with you. You're like, you got to experience the love of God. So who do you know that's near to you and far from God? Is there someone in your life, you know, it's hard enough for you to remember that you're loved, but you have people around you that remind you that you're loved and that you can know you're loved in Christ. But there may be some people you know that they, they don't experience love at home. And it's very obvious. There are people that don't experience love at school and they sit by themselves, experience God's love. So we got to end tonight. I'm going to leave this on the, on the screen. Before we pray, I just got to ask you a question. Have you received God's love? Has there been a time in your life when you realized that you needed Jesus and you opened your heart to him? If you've never done that tonight, as I'm praying, I want to invite you um, to pray to God and to put your faith and your trust in him. Um, so let's pray and then we'll get out of here. Oh God, thank you so much for being with us tonight. Thank you that you love us. Thank you, there's nothing we can do to unearn your love because it was a gift. Oh God, I pray that it won't be something we pass by, but it will be the base by which we live every day. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening to the Refuel podcast. If you have any questions or would like to review the notes from this podcast, be sure to download the Refuel app from the App Store on any mobile device.